Bring them out, bring them out, bring them out, bring them out. It's hard to yell when the bat rails in your mouth. Woo! Bring them out, bring them out. 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 Welcome to the Fantasy Football Fiend Podcast with your hosts, Zay, Young Vander, and Broja. Welcome back to the best new fantasy football podcast on the air, the Fantasy Football Fiend Podcast. I'm your host, Zay. As always, I got my guys with me. Holla at the people, bro, Joe. What's going on, Fantasy Fiend family? And my guy, Young Vander. Holla at the people, Young Vander. Fantasy Fiends, what's going on out there? Bonjour, Kanichiwa, Ola, Utentig, and what's Poppin. We have an epic show in store for you today. Got your news and notes that you can use. Most importantly, your 2022 breakouts, the guys that are going to help you bring home the fantasy championships because you didn't have to get them early on and they put up just as good a numbers as some of the guys that you did have to spend those first, second, third round picks on. Business first. If you're looking for us on our social media sites, for Facebook, Fantasy Football Fiend family facebook group again that's the fantasy football fiend family facebook group on instagram fantasy football fiend and on twitter at fantasy underscore fiend if you need to get us any information any requests promos advertising any of that good stuff fantasy football fiend at gmail.com that's f-e-i-n fiend we have a lot of exciting stuff that's going on in the next couple of weeks couple of months here so you guys please stay tuned and get ready for the ride let's go ahead and hop right into your news and now your fantasy news all right, good people. So we have a little bit of a lighter news day. Not a whole lot going on this week, but we'll get through it just as well. First up, we have Terry McLaurin. He signed his three-year extension. So anyone who had him in Dynasty that was worried about a possible holdout or anything of that nature, uh, you can go ahead and take a sigh of relief. And he's playing with the best quarterback that he's had in his tenure there with Washington. So fingers crossed about Terry McLaurin. He may be one of those guys that uh, you can get first round production out of. And, you know, you don't have to get him until the you know fourth round in many cases. Next up, we have Terrace Marshall of the Carolina Panthers. Supposedly, uh, according to his coaches and his teammates, he's taken a massive leap ahead of his second year. We know that he was injured last year. He was one of those guys that was supposed to be able to make a little bit of noise. Not exactly sure what's going to go on with his quarterback situation, but it seems like he is ready to take the next step in his career. Joe, I know he was one of the guys that you were mentioning last year, not necessarily on the show, but uh, within the dynasty uh, group that we are currently in. So do you think that Terrace Marshall is going to be one of those forgotten guys that you can get for next to nothing and people are going to regret the fact that they didn't take a chance on him? Or do you think he is a dynasty only guy and keep your fingers crossed because he might not amount to much? I'm, I'm going to go with the second part of the last statement where okay. he just crossed and we don't know if he's going to amount to much. 
it's one of the things with LSU wide receivers. Obviously, we've had some great ones coming to the league, but we've also had those who don't show succession in the second and later on in the season. He was fairly productive. And in fact, there was the other guy, number 18, who was actually getting a lot of reps and a lot of uh, catches in the season. It's like he was phased out of the offense. But we already know it's gonna, everything's going to be funneled through DJ Moore. They just give him an abundance of targets. I'm going to like stay off of him until we know more and we see more in the season. He has the upside, but we can't go for that this part of the season, getting ready to draft him. And we got you know other priorities. Eno Benjamin of the Arizona Cardinals is apparently the early favorite for the backup job over Darrell Williams. Now, this comes as a surprise to me because Williams was able to show and prove with Kansas City last year. I'm not sure if this is one of those Williams is new to the team, so Eno Benjamin should be ahead of him because he knows the playbook and he knows the coach. Or if Eno Benjamin is just a step ahead talent-wise. What you got on this situation, Vander? I think it's definitely a collective of two. Um Eno being already a part of that team, again, like you said, he knows the playbook. He should already be slated as the number two guy until further notice, until Williams may pick up some of the, you know, pass protection things and, you know, the smaller detail things. But um, as far as talent, I mean, I don't – these guys are not too far away from each other. Like, Darrell Williams, he's done well with the Chiefs, um, but he's not great. You know what I mean? Like, he does what he does gotcha. well. Uh, I think he's a good third-down guy. He catches very well at the backfield. But – I don't I don't see him as like a early downs type of bat. He doesn't ring that bell for me. I'm not really surprised that Eno's in front of him as you know right now. We have Daniel Bellinger, who is the rookie tight end of the New York Giants. He's seeing reps right now with the first team. So it looks like he's already supplanted rookie Seals Jones and I believe um, what's the guy's name? Jordan. The Texans. I want to say up till last year. It looks like Bellinger is number one, the number one tight end on that depth chart now. Do we see anything coming out of this? I know a lot of times we, we talk zero tight end strategy and things of that nature. And obviously we have a lot of dynasty listeners as well. Is Bellinger one of those guys that we should be taking a deeper look at or is this just a hey you're the only guy with the semblance of talent that we want and since it's how we drafted you and we didn't draft these other guys you're who we're going with well you you, you know how i feel about rookie tight ends so, right <laughs> uh i don't think there's a whole lot to see here of course if you're in a dynasty league this is someone you may want to grab and stash but being in front of guys like the guy who's talking about was uh atkins jordan atkins yes yeah and, there you go and, and uh seals jones who's pretty much a pedestrian in his league yeah it's not really saying a whole lot that's true that's true it's not like he, he's beat out some world beaters you know what i mean so like <laughs> uh he probably is the most talented guy out there in that in that tight end room as far as uh, um yearly leagues no he would not be a zero tight end uh, candidate for me there's so many other guys out there that i think you should um, put your eyes on but in a dynasty format i think he's someone you may want to keep an eye on I'm just going to piggyback off of that. I just think he's definitely somebody relative to Dynasty. Um, but believe it or not, he might have year-round value. It's a watchlist player, definitely. Just coming out of college, he was definitely like a good route runner. He's he's had all the tangibles of the new meta for the tight end, pretty much. But obviously, you know, coming to the NFL, you only good as how you can block. And with a lot of people moving away from fullback, 
I see that being a hindrance to him being big on the field, but who knows? So I guess we could um, put him on a watch list or something because he definitely has the measurables and the upside to contribute this year. He's definitely going to be on the field to some degree. We have Nico Collins, who apparently is standing out in spring workouts. Houston, Texas wide receiver Nico Collins is making a significant impression the pattern of the second season. I know this is a guy that Joe was touting last year, and you were also making mention of the fact that his previous head coach, being a wide receiver guru, he had the ability to kind of get a leg up on some of his rookie peers, if you will, based on who his head coach was. So is Nico Collins in line for a breakout? Or is this just, okay, yes, you're doing great on the Houston Texans because there isn't very much to see there outside of Brandon Cooks? I know this is one of the guys that you kind of spoke up last year. Joe, what you got on? Like you said, David Culley really spoke heavily about this guy. He coached him hard. We mentioned, I kind of mentioned him around the time we got in a debate about Michigan, but Harbaugh just... Anyway, I'm going to leave that alone. But pretty much coming out of college, he wasn't able to um, really play to his strengths and really get on the field and maximize his talents. But that's why you had somebody like Cully to kind of bring him up to the NFL poise, so to speak. I think he's going to be a good player. I think he's going to have flex value. But John Mechie, the guy that from Bama, he does kind of scare me with his his usage. He's, he's coming out the gate ready. He's already a great route runner. He's doing tremendous in camp as well. I feel like we can't really fall too deep in a rabbit's hole with this, but definitely take this as a positive sign to what we discussed in the shows prior. He could have a good season, but I do, like I said, Mechie being out there and he's going to be viable in that offense too. It's going to be a nice three-headed monster. Lastly, we have a couple of quarterbacks to talk about. Per Josina Anderson, Baker Mayfield is still a high level of interest on the radar of the Seahawks. And one Mr. Jimmy Garoppolo still remains on schedule as far as his rehab is concerned. And he should be throwing the ball sometime this month. And San Francisco is still indicating that they want to go ahead and move him once he can show that, you know, he is still capable of throwing the ball at the same capacity that he could prior to the surgery. It looks like it's almost inevitable that Baker's going to end up being a Seahawk. As far as Jimmy is concerned, not exactly sure what's going to go on there. I've heard everything from Carolina may get him to the Browns may get him and use him for this year. Let him show that he's still got the chops to do what he needs to do. And then he can play for a larger contract on next year. There's a few different things kind of, you know, in the wind as far as both of these guys are concerned. What's your opinion on them and what's your prognosis as far as where they end up? Uh, being that many teams uh, already have their quarterback, the two teams you named, the Carolina Panthers and I guess Cleveland, if Deshaun was to see a extended uh, suspension for a whole year, I guess that would be a, a nice plug into next year. Uh, Seattle, maybe they're kind of waiting around a little bit. They know they've been flirting around with the Mayfield idea, but maybe they're waiting around to see. Also, if this guy clears up, who knows? I mean, but I guess they do want to get Mayfield probably in if they're going to take him also. Yeah, got to be in get that reps trip. and stuff like that. So. He got to get off the 49ers, I know that. Yeah. Because it seems like it seems like they already had uh, made a decision to move forward with the young guy. I mean, that they invested so much into. Yeah, so he got to go, move forward with him. He got to go somewhere. Uh, I don't see him being a backup. I think he's still a starter in this league, especially in his head. I mean, the, the cupboard is going to be kind of bare. I mean, like you said, it's either Carolina or where. I mean, where else could you possibly go? I mean, maybe, maybe, just maybe. maybe. Maybe Tom Brady retires this year. You go to Tampa. But he has to be a backup for this year. No, that that's why he would go to the Browns. Watson is going to be suspended for a minimum, a minimum of 10 games, maybe right. the whole year. Right. So maybe you go to Cleveland to just, you know, show and prove, you know, 
that you, you you've recovered from your injury. Brady's always said he wanted to play play, play through his year forty five. I I really don't know. Depend barring on you know what happens to season, who knows? Brady may play till he's fifty, but. I mean, that, that may be an option next year. Depending on how well Jalen Hurts does, he the Eagles may be looking for a guy where it's a you know a stopgap. Or I, I don't think they'll do pro- poorly enough this year to be able to get one of those upper echelon guys coming out of college. I don't think they'll have a high enough pick. Mm-hmm. There, there really aren't a whole lot of teams. Real quick, don't sleep on Miami Dolphins, man. Oh, uh, as, far, as far as replacing Tua? Right, because he's that's a system he walked right in the door day one. He knows everything. Yeah. Oh, you know what? You right. oh, because that's the San Francisco. Okay, I see. Right. You, I see where you're going. I see where you're going. So I that mean, actually walked, could make sense. Yeah, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. You know what I mean? Like he'd be I, cheaper. Right. That's he know he knows all the verbiage. I mean, he just walks in day one. Boom, driver's seat. Yeah. There's no learning curve. Right. You know what I mean? He's better than Tua. I think. I, man, hell, I think if they could really unload Tua, they probably. I wouldn't be saying. If Garoppolo was ready already, he could have already priority been down there already. And then think about it. For that team, he doesn't necessarily have to be in camp. Like you said, he know the playbook back and forth. Right. So uh, that's you That's can, a dark horse. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> but but I mean, but, but the logic behind it is on point though. I mean, that, yeah. that is a dark horse, but I mean the coaches know what they see in Tua. And if you can, you know, pay a guy a lot less than what you would have to end up paying Tua just because of the contract that he's going to be on. But if you can pay a guy a lot less, then you can go ahead and add more to that defense and your offense is already ready. You you got it. You've improved your offensive line. You've improved your offensive weapons. Uh, you have a, a stable of running backs. You you really get that defense on the same level as your offense. And we're talking about the Patriots may be the second to last in the division at that point. I never really thought about Garoppolo there, but I, I can see how that could make sense. Mm-hmm. What what about as far as Baker is concerned, Joe? I'm starting to warm up to Baker, just a tiny smudge. I think <laughs> but to be honest, I'd rather us still just if we're gonna win, win what we got in tank and get the best quarterback next year. I think that'd be a better play. But the similarities between Stefanski and Waldron's um, offense is too similar. So I do see where he could come in and definitely pick it up relatively quickly. But again, I'd rather prefer us to just, you know, live and die with the ship and then go into next year and get the best quarterback available. And that pretty much wraps up the news. Let's go ahead and get into these 2022 breakouts. All right, good people, we have a treat in store for you today. This is one of my favorite topics, one of my favorite shows, because it gives all of us the opportunity to kind of throw our thoughts out there, kind of give you an opportunity to see what blends with your philosophy, what blends with the ADP that you normally like to get those dart throws that could be season winners. That's what we're talking about today as far as breakouts are concerned. These are guys that we feel can take it to the next level as far as their play and as far as their fantasy points are concerned. And you might just want to have them on your radar ahead of time. So in no particular order, we're going to kind of throw out the guys that we have identified as being this year's breakouts. We're going to start with wide receiver. Joe, you want to start us up? Super excited about this one. So I'm going to start off with Rashad Bateman. Rashad Bateman, wide receiver for Baltimore Ravens. So to to make it clear for the audience and everything else, like 
He didn't start until week six. He actually got injured in training camp with that groin injury. But what I liked about him was that, you know, obviously he had a, a, a solid season. I think he had a above average season, but people won't know much about it. So let me quickly break it down. So pretty much, obviously, he came back. And within the last eight games, because I always like oh, this one stood out the most. He had 32 catches within the eight games, 32 catches, 404 yards, and a 59% steps. You like Joe White, you're going to mention that because what stood out was in that same span of eight games, Jalen Waddle had 48 catches, 413 yards, and three touchdowns and played 83%. So this kid is highly productive. He just obviously didn't spend enough time on the field. And then uh, Lamar Jackson missed four games last year with the ankle injury. This kid, is his, he's a phenomenal talent. And I think with 193 targets gone, obviously between uh, Hollywood Brown and Watkins, this is going to be a great opportunity for him to step into the number one receiver role and flourish. Now he's going to have a full offseason, a full complement of time working with Lamar Jackson. Again, they he missed four games uh, towards the end of the season, and that's finally when Bateman played 80, uh, 80%, 86% of the snaps. Uh, what I liked about him, too, most of his, uh, you know, you can tell where the volume's going because 29 of his uh, 46 receptions were for first downs. So more or more likely, 75% of the time of his catches were to go for the first down, and then he's fifth with contested catch rate. So the, to me, it got all the writing on the wall for him to take the next step. Huge upside. I love this guy. I like it. I like it. So we're going to give you all the facts, all the figures. You make your decision. That's what I'm talking about, Joe. I got a guy who averaged 19.8 fantasy points per game in his last six games. He ran a route on 88% of the dropbacks, and he scored a touchdown in damn near every game down the stretch. That's one Mr. Gabriel Davis of the Buffalo Bills. He's going into his third season, which the wide receivers, we have some who've kind of skewed the numbers as of late, who are just phenoms. This guy isn't a phenom as your, you know, Jamar Chases of the world, your Justin Jeffersons of the world. He isn't those guys. So he took that normal uh, maturation process that we see most wide receivers take and that, you know, year two, end of year two, they start to really settle in. And then year three is their normal breakout. That's the same trajectory I see for one Mr. Gabriel Davis. We see that a lot of the targets um, that were given to Emmanuel Sanders or Cole Beasley on last year, those guys aren't going to take those targets anymore. He's now the solidified number two wide receiver on the team and the thing that i love about that is the fact that he's great as far as contested catch rate is concerned but the number one cornerback is going to be on digs so he's going to have less a lesser competition if you will out on that outside than what his counterpart is going to have so he may end up although digs figures it out you know that's what he does that's why he's the number one receiver Davis isn't going to have to do quite as much to get open, which could bode well for him as far as targets are. I definitely love Gabriel Davis going into his third year, and he is the first wide receiver that I have on my breakout list. What you got, Vander? Not only a bounce back, but a breakout. I'm going with Allen Robinson, LA Rams. Everybody know yeah, last year okay. was yeah, everybody know last year was a nightmare for this guy. And in his career, he's been pretty much held back by the quarterback play. I mean, we've seen him with signal callers like Foles, Trubisky. I mean, we've seen the season. He had a great season with a guy like a Blake Bortles. 
But now he has the best signal call he's had in his career. You got Matthew Stafford. And another reason I really like this guy is because with Robert Woods going, he's filling a role here. And if we look at the last few years, let's say, for instance, 2017, Robert Woods, he finished 10th overall in fantasy. In 2018, Robert Woods finished 10th overall in fantasy. In 2019, he finished 21st. But he had 1,100 yards. He only had two touchdowns that year. So it was, a, it was a down season as far as a touchdown receptions. And in 2020, he finished 13th. So overall in fantasy football. So with that guy being out the way and inserting the talent of an Allen Robinson, I think he has an opportunity here, man, where, where he's being drafted as far as ADP and where he's going to finish. I really think he can finish in a top 12 overall. Like he has that ability in, fan, in, the, in the league this year. So. I think he'll be a guy to look out for as far as a breakout this year. I love it. I love it. Joe, you up next. Let's go. Let's go back to the Vikings here because I, I seem to have an infatuation with Vikings. I'm going to go KJ Osborne. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm loving this one for so many reasons. So what I like with Kevin O'Connell coming over there is last year with the Rams, they used 11 personnel, which is three wide receivers, one tight end, one running back, 84% of the time. This is for a kid who just had 82 targets, 50 receptions, 655 yards, and uh, seven touchdowns. That is perfect. Like, this kid can easily move into wide receiver two territory. But let me take that further, right? So we have Van Jefferson, who played the same exact position in the slot. If you look at it, he finished with 802 yards, six touchdowns, and that was with 80% snaps. And he also had 12 drops. KJ Osborne had 67.6% snaps. So what I'm getting at is if you extrapolated what Van Jefferson did to Osborne, Osborne would have cleared more than 1,000 yards and had double-digit touchdowns. And that's, you know, not taking into account next year. What if something happens to, uh, you know, Thielen or something happens to Justin Jefferson? This kid's going to be thrusted into the number one or number two role clearly. Everything about his uh, abilities uh, kind of just sticks out. We already know his speed. We already know where he is as a, as a prospect. So this is just great thing. This is a great marriage. We know he's going to be on the field 80% of the time. And I just see an uptake in the average of 9.3 fantasy points per game. That's going to be do- obviously into the double digits. And I think it's great value to get somebody like him, again, who's going to be a flex play every weekend, week out, but can also be the team's number one or number two receiver bar injury. So, I'm high on uh, KJ Osborne. Next guy I got up, Alan Lazard. Aaron Rodgers is basically one of those guys who loves comfort. He's he's one of those guys who likes to know who he's throwing to, know where he's going to be, know how he runs his routes. That's why he normally has one wide receiver that he latches on to. The thing about Alan Lazard is they've spent the last four years together, right? The harmony between those two guys was obvious over the final five weeks of the 2021 regular season. Alan Lazard was actually wide receiver eight in PPR with 21 receptions, 290 receiving yards, and five touchdowns with Devontae Adams on the field. The other thing to consider is this. With Devontae Adams gone, obviously that's a whole lot of targets, but red zone production. Lazard looks to fit that mold being a 6'5 wide receiver who already has the eye and the comfortability with a Aaron Rodgers who is known to be able to make a guy more than what he is if he chooses you as the guy he wants to go to. 
with Robert Tanyan being out probably at least the first few weeks of the season and there being no other wide receiver on the team that Rodgers has that familiarity with, I don't think there's a choice but for Alan Lazard to be the best wide receiver on that team, at least starting out. And the thing about it is, if you feel like Aaron Rodgers is going to be, he's going to be high in the wide receiver one category, but I do still, excuse me, quarterback one category, but I do still see him as being in that QB one category. He has to throw the ball somewhere. So Alan Lazard, by default, I believe in comparison to where you're going to have to draft him, he's going to easily be a wide receiver two on most weeks. And there's going to be some weeks where he breaks out and has those uh, wide receiver one weeks. So this is a guy that I think is going to take the next step forward by force. What's the name of this segment again? Breakouts. The, the breakouts. Being a top three receiver in the league, I guess it's kind of hard to break out. But I'm going with Chase Claypool, man. <laughs> a top three receiver in this league. You know what I'm saying? In his own he, mind. you know. Yeah, but you know, I mean, we, we talk about the, the, the intangibles. We talk about you know, what he brings, the height, the speed. Like, I think this guy, he could be on to something. I mean, early camera points mentioned that he's been moving around the formation. The possibility of him being like a, a power slot, mm, okay. it's, it's, that's a pretty enticing thing. I mean, what nickel corner you know going to be able to handle this guy, speed and size? You know what I mean? And, what, you know, if Matt Canada is looking for ways to, to get Mitch, you know, easy completions, this can very well be the, the way to go. Um, I definitely think he's going to um, – Benefit from the quarterback change, we've seen Ben Roethlisberger, you know, dwindling. We've seen Claypool come out rookie year, jumped off the screen. I think he had nine touchdowns or something like that, that season. Uh, he's not really a guy that uh, – he's more of a run-after-the-catch kind of guy. He didn't need a ton of targets to get his stuff off. So I think that uh, this year we're going to see him get back to the Claypool vote with this new signal caller and with the way they're going to be moving this guy around in the formation. So – I mean, he's being drafted around number 50. Like He's like the 52nd ranked wide receiver. I mean, that's, come on. Like that's, that's extremely low. And I just think with this new quarterback, he's going he's gonna to take off. So I'm going with Chase Claypool. I do have one other wide receiver that I do want to make mention of right quick before we move on to the running back part of the breakouts. Michael Pittman, believe it or not, he was third in route participation behind Cooper Cup and Jamar Chase. He was the wide receiver 15 and half point scoring. But think of this, the upgrade that he has at wide receiver, as far as consistency is concerned, as far as being able to throw the deep ball, it's going to be, in my opinion, night and day. Where the ball should be is where it will be. There's already a connection between him and Matt Ryan. But because of the disconnect between him and Wentz, which with that disconnect, he was still wide receiver 15. That's why we kind of have, you know, the taste in our mouth that he might not be the alpha wide receiver that we thought that he may have been. Um, if you remember, you know, when we were drafting him rookie year, as far as dynasty and things of that nature are concerned, this is a guy that I would go get if I could. As of right now, he has a rookie as the number two wide receiver on the team. There is Paris Campbell in the slot. Awesome. If he stays healthy, that actually helps Pittman. But I'm telling you, this guy, he is an alpha wide receiver. And the fact that he now has a quarterback that can get on the ball, he can't do worse. And if he doesn't do worse, that means he's 
inching himself towards being considered a top 10 wide receiver. And look where you can get him. So this guy is one of those dudes that can be a game changer, a season changer, and a league winner. Moving on to running back. My breakout guy, I think, is just going to be Rashard Penny. You know, over a span of the last five games to close out the um, the last season, you know, this guy, I think he was like the, the number two running back in the season, in the, in the, in the league, at that, with doing that little span. I know he's entering, because he's entering training camp this year. He's the clear-cut starter now. There's no more Chris Carden, Chris Carson in the way. Uh, I know they drafted the guy Kenny Walker, but I think things like uh, pass protection and, you know, things like that maybe keep him off the field early on. So Penny have every opportunity to seize this job. But, and with the quarterback situation they have going on, you may see Seattle lean on the run a little bit more. I like Rashad Penny, man. I mean, I, I think this guy can, can really be a breakout, especially being what his ADP is, considering where he's being drafted. I think this guy can definitely give you high running back two numbers this year. Joe, hit him with your first running back. I'm going to go A.J. Dillon. And I think, honestly, I'm about to give up a ransom note in Dynasty to get him today. This is just a remarkable talent. I, like Everybody's going to get scared about Aaron Jones, but I can debunk that for you quite easily. Looking at his production last year, just relatively quickly, this guy already had over 1,100 yards, a total offense, and seven touchdowns. It's only going up from here. Um, everything that you kind of get from what the Packers are trying to do this year, as opposed to being just a, a 43% of the snaps, they're looking at it being even more than 50% of the snaps uh, this year. So that really bodes well for him as well. Routes run, for example, he ran 8.9 a game. Red zone, he had 46 touches, which was 12 in the NFL, which is obviously going to go more up. But I'm also following the trend, too, of Matt LaFleur. Matt LaFleur has done nothing but tell everybody who this kid is to him, and he said it several times that he's reminiscent of Derrick Henry. So uh, just looking at three quotes, again, I'm going to leave it just the three. Matt LaFleur was just pretty much pointing out he's just scratching the surface of what he can become. I thought he mixed in a decent amount last year, but apparently not enough. And then lastly, he's a premier running back. In this backfield, we're looking at the, the void left by Devontae Adams. This is just LaFleur saying a calling card to him going back to what he used to do, which is run the ball. And if you're going to run the ball to the clip that you're going to, you're going to do it with uh, A.J. Dillon. Again, like, I can't say it enough. Aaron Jones not going to be with the Packers next year anyway. If it wasn't for him taking a, a restructure, they would have cut him this summer. And they drafted his clone uh, in this year's draft. A.J. Dillon is, is favorite to take over this running back backfield. And for a guy who already averaged 10.9 fantasy points per game, uh, with all the additional usage that he, he has, and being valued last year as an RB23, you're looking at somebody who's going to easily drop, jump into the top 10. This is the breakout year, and hurry to get him. You're not going to find anybody else who's going to step into such a prominent role at a discount. So I, I love A.J. Dillon. And they also had a 13th easiest schedule. That's what stood out to me too. So in the last four, five games, especially pertaining to fantasy playoffs, is a cakewalk. The championship game, he's going to be likely playing Detroit. So I'll leave it at that. So I have a quick question for you, for the listeners. Mm-hmm. You tell them to go out and get a guy like an A.J. Dillon. What type of compensation should they be sending to the A.J. Dillon owners? Like how far up should they go? Should they trade uh, uh, someone like uh, Stefan Diggs or like if they have a receiver? Like should they like how far up the, the tier should they go to acquire someone like an A.J. Dillon? 
so differentiate between dynasty and redraft there we go so right now right i wouldn't go any higher say for example because right now his relative value is is set to where it is right now like a mike evans you know somebody somebody that like everybody's gonna look at it like like i said it's a two-headed backfield all these different things and we can max them pay pay what somebody's willing to pay we all know how we can get to these conversations and how we can manipulate everything to make it seem like you're giving somebody a better deal. Shit, I'll give up J.K. Dobbins right now for fucking Dylan and ride that. Oh, I'm giving up J.K. or even Elijah Mitchell, who I have. I'm just speaking on players I have, but I give up even more considerable amount of players. Right, but Again, those guys, like those guys you just mentioned, mm-hmm. I mean, hell, they not, they not, they might not be as good as A.J. Dillon. So, you know, you got to make somebody feel like they're getting somebody to deal. I mean – dangling a Elijah Mitchell in front of somebody's face is not going to be enough. So what I'm asking is, if it's a running back, would you trade someone like a Fournette? Or, you know what I'm saying, like how far? Oh, up- I would go as far as uh, up to a Chubb, Nick Chubb. Mm, that's, oh, that's interesting. Didn't okay. you just say that Nick Chubb, you would take over Christian McCaffrey? So now Dylan is a, a, a first-round pick? Uh-uh, don't do that. In talent, pick. in talent, in talent. We were talking about value. Value. Yeah. Yeah, I'm talking about value right now because um, if you can get Dylan that much further back, then that means he's even more valuable. Oh hell yeah! And that's that was the discovery process of looking for the breakout again. Where he's going right now, he's projected as an RB twenty three, and he's going to be utilized more heavily heavily in the offense. I I can chill and you know base you know draft by need doing you know um, year round, and if I fall to you know get to my prominent receivers, get me a tight end. Right then and there, you know, obviously you get a running back in between, but he's definitely the second running back I would want to take and put in my on my team to fill it out. Definitely, it's a lot of value to be had with AJ Dillon. But relative to his question, how far up as far as a running back? If I had Nick Chubb, I would give up Nick Chubb <laughs> to get AJ Dillon. That's that's that could be the worst take I've heard in fantasy, and that's the worst take since trade Jonathan Taylor. So, so tell me, there ain't so no way you about to tell me that AJ Dillon and Chubb straight up is you would you would not do that trade. You would not. Me personally, it sounds get- good in the moment, but take a step back for a second. You're talking about you're trading someone who's drafted in the second round for someone who's drafted in the fourth or fifth round straight up. So look, when I so go back to the conversation when I said the Elijah A. Uh, Mitchell, uh, J.K. Dobbins. Well, he asked me a question: How far up? relative to a player. In reality, I'm not giving up Chubb for Dylan straight up. That's common sense. But as far as a so give the reality because you confusing me. So if you confuse me, I know you're confusing the listeners. Who is on equal footing to you to Dylan? Because it can't be Chubb. As far as so let me articulate this because I want to make make it clear. Whatever somebody is willing to take that is within reason. So of course if I had Chubb, I'm not going to offer Nick Chubb for Dylan. But if I could put together, like I said, my Elijah Mitchell or J.K. Dobbins, whatever piece would make it work to facilitate a trade, I'll do that. But my overall value of him is to a Nick Chubb, which in turn brings that question to what you said about CMC, because my opinions on CMC. So value-wise, you would take a Dylan where you can get him over Chubb or CMC, but right, you don't necessarily feel that he's going to put up the points that they will, but he'll allow you being your RB two to fill other positions first. Like you can get your J 
Justin Jefferson's of the world, your Cooper Cup of the world, your Jamar Chase of the world with your first and second pick, then go ahead and get your tight end right there. You can get a Kyle Pitts or a, a right. Mark Andrews and then get whoever your number one, maybe a four net and then come on the back end of a four net and get a Dylan. That's what we're talking about as far as value is concerned, if I understand right. you correctly. Right, but in addition to that, I think he's going to jump from being 10.9 fantasy points per game to at mm -hmm. least 14 to 15, and that's going to dramatically gotcha. change his value. Again, he played for just 43% of the snaps this year. They're already talking about it being 50-50, if not even more. So that's 7% more considering what they're already saying right now. Would you rather have Josh Jacobs or A.J. Dillon? I'd rather have AJ because again, Zamir is on that ass as far as Josh Jacobs. The only thing he can't do as well as Josh Jacobs is pass, but he's their home run threat to sum it up as far as uh, Zamir to Jacobs. Yeah, because these, these are the type of, you know what I'm saying, like, you know, fantasy guys, they, they, they want to break it down like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, but I love really that. Want... I love that you said it. Not to cut you off, Vander. Mm -hmm. I would give up if I had Josh Jacobs and I could dangle that piece and somebody do a head up. I would do that. Yeah, definitely. Because you got a guy like Jacobs that finished over AJ Dillon. You know what I mean? And, and considering with now the new regime and and, and the, with uh, Las Las Vegas Raiders, you know, seemed like a guy like a Jacobs is looking up. I mean, he's 14 last year. So yeah. what would he be this year? You know what I mean? With the new weapons, but they would have so. picked up his, his option if that was the case and get, extended his contract even further if they wanted to give him more money. You feel me? That's how that's how I look at it with Josh Jacobs. And again, you don't – Kendrick Drake, he just didn't live up – I mean, yeah, Drake didn't live up to um, his his what he's supposed to have done coming into that offense. After doing what he did with Edmonds, we was thinking, like, that's going to be 1A, 1B, and he dropped the whole ball. But you're not gonna get that out of Zamir. Zamir, Zamir is a, a, you know, we covered it in another debate. But that's somebody who could definitely challenge uh, Josh Jacobson again. They would have gave it, took up his fifth year option and gave him a new contract if they really wanted him long term. If yeah, long term. But we talking about right now. You know what I'm saying? Like, what is this guy gonna do for this season? You know what I'm saying? Maybe long term they feel like okay. I mean, it's a business, and he's a running back. And as a running backs approach the age of thirty, of course. You know, you want to go with the younger guys, but people want to win. They want to win now. So, you know, that's what we're trying to figure out, like, who who would be the – who who would have the better finish? Okay, who would have the better finish this year, Jacobs or, or, or Dylan? I think Dylan. I, again, he already had close to 200 carries in 2021. I'm thinking he's going to peak into 220, 240, and that's talking about carries. I'm not even taking in the 34 receptions he had. Mm -hmm. Everything is an uptick. He's only going to get more snaps going forward. And again, that was one of the things that um, LaFleur mentioned. He said, I thought we mixed him in a decent amount last year, but apparently not enough. I don't know what 43% means that it's not enough, but if you're telling me that this guy is not scratching the surface of what he can become and everything else, and again, this isn't for the listeners. This is not stuff that I'm just pulling from three months ago. He's saying this in June. Mm -hmm. Like This is all statements he's making in June about Dylan. First running back that I have up was RB9 in points per game, if considering half point scoring, in 10 games played before he got hurt. He led all running backs in receptions with 53 and averaged nearly 19 touches per game. One Mr. DeAndre Swift of the Detroit Lions is on breakout alert. This guy has already shown that he has the talent to put up the numbers. He put on the additional muscle 
and really took his offseason conditioning and training seriously to prepare himself for the rigors that is the NFL season for a running back. And I believe that this guy is poised to be a top running back in this league this year. The beautiful thing about the uh, DeAndre Swift is where you can draft him, you can knock out a few other important items first. He's not one of those guys that tends to come up in that, you know, RB1 conversation for whatever reason just yet. And maybe it's because, you know, as good as he was in those first 10 games, that's as disappointed as people were that he couldn't play for the rest of the season. As I've mentioned before, I don't necessarily look at fantasy as year long. Nine times out of 10, based on the way that I play, by the time we get to game six, he's going to be traded anyway. But I know that this dude is <laughs> going to put up RB1 numbers in every game that he's healthy in. So I, I really believe that he could have been a top five RB last year had he actually uh, you know, not had that season in the injury. And most running backs with the number of games that have been played, that there aren't very many that don't don't get some type of injury at some point in time. It's just a matter of whether or not they can play through it or whether or not it's going to cost them a, a game here or there or whether it's going to cost them the rest of their season. So if he doesn't have that type of injury again, you're going to get way more than your money's worth as far as DeAndre Swift is concerned. Last running back on the list, Javante Williams. He finished 13th in touches last season, 246 touches. With He's favorite to take a step forward um, in the passing game as well. One of the things that I looked at with him was he finished as one of two rookie running backs inside of the top uh, 15 in route participation in 2021. Only he and Najee Harris, who was actually first, had that much route participation. So, Again, that that goes along with the fact that they're going to be using him more in the passing game. I believe that he's going to clearly be the 1A to um, Melvin Gordon, although Melvin Gordon can definitely hold serve. He's another one of those guys that when we talk about values, when we get to that show, uh, Melvin Gordon, based on where you can draft him and based on what his production could be, I can definitely see him being valuable. But Javante Williams, he, he is a dog. And now that you have a quarterback that can get the ball out, you can't pay attention. You can't key in on him as much as teams were able to last year when they really didn't have to worry about the pass all that much. So I can see life being that much easier for him. So he just like pretty much everybody else that we're going to talk about, he's in a, a situation to whereas there is another running back in the room, but I would prefer the two-headed monster to the full committee. So when I look at running backs that I want as my RB1s, RB2s, and they're going to be consistent, I'm looking for those two-headed monsters. They're, again, they're, other than Pittsburgh, um, maybe Cincinnati, th those are really – I don't think Carolina's going to do it again. They've learned their lesson. They're, um, um, Tennessee – there aren't too many teams that have a true bell cow running back um, Indy with, with Jonathan Taylor. So if, if those guys, awesome. But outside of that, you need to find a two-headed monster versus being involved with that full-blown committee. And for that reason, I think Javante Williams is going to be one of this year's breakouts. I think we got about, real quick, I think we got about seven, probably got about seven bell cows in the league now. Something like that, seven, eight. 
again, JT, Mixon, Henry. Um, I don't know if I still – we'll have to – I think it's a wait and see on CMC right now, but he, he has been in years past. Yeah. Um, I think I think Davin Cook is a bell cow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I get you that. I think James Conner is going to be a bell cow this year as well. Um, I think – I, 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 don't, I don't think he'll be a bell cow. I think that'll be a – not a not, – I don't know he, how to look at that. I don't, I don't see – I don't Eno think they want to tire him out. I don't really see Eno being a threat, though, like. No, I don't either. But but what I see being the biggest threat to Connor is himself. If you give him the load that he had in Pittsburgh, you're going to get the same result. He's by the time you get to the time of the season where it matters most, he's going to be run down. His okay. talent, he's a RB. He's he's up there, up there. But yeah. I think to save him from himself, they have to use the committee. I think David Montgomery is also a Bill Cow for Chicago. Now I don't, I don't see nobody last year. Him. Yes. They've already been indicating in camp that Khalil Herbert is going to be utilized a whole lot more. Um, Adam Johns of The Athletic wrote that Khalil Herbert is poised for a much larger role this season. Um, one of the guys that's taken a, a deep dive and look at the camps as far as Chicago is concerned. So in years past, yes. But if you look at the production from Herbert last year in his rookie year, that I think it's going to be another one of those situations where they don't want to tire that one guy out because they're going to be run heavy. They don't really have any wide receivers outside of Mooney. So it's it's going to be like Baltimore light as far as the amount of running that they're going to have to do and the amount of running that Fields is going to do. So I don't what about, think and what about Eckler? You don't consider Eckler a bell cow? Eckler has I had mean, one It's year not bell cow like as far as putting the ball in his belly. But, I mean, you're getting, 200, you're getting 270 touches, I mean. When I say bell cow, I'm also looking at the guy that has been able to withstand it. Like, like last year was the only year that he had that type of a load and was actually able to make it through. Yeah. In lighter loads, he got hurt. So I, I'm kind of scared of Eckler, to be honest with you. But, yes, per per the logic that, that we're using, he would be considered a bell cow as well. So that does put us at about eight. As, as far as Javonta Williams, again, I think it's one of those situations where we're one year too early. I was – at the, in the offseason, right, I was we all was like, oh, this is it. Javon's about to be that one. And then the Broncos turn around and sign Melvin Gordon. It's like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And they gave him a little bit of decent money. You know what I mean? So I just don't think, like, I still think we one year away from him really truly breaking out. I mean, these guys last year, it was an even split as far as the carries. And Melvin Gordon finished ahead of him last year. So I just, I mean, and Melvin Gordon hasn't done enough to lose the job. So Javante has played well. He looks the part. We know what, what we're seeing, but Melvin Gordon hasn't done enough to lose the job. So for that reason, I just feel like we're one year too early. I think I think opposite of that. I think like Javante. I mean, let me go back. To, I think Ellingham is going to be utilizing this offense. He's one of the best receivers out of the backfield. That is without question. But outside of that, he does not do anything better than Javante Williams. Does not do anything better. In right. my personal opinion. And then but too, he's the starter. He I mean we all on the same page now. This dude need to be out the way. First of all the the contract they gave him to come over there was some when the free first came over 
three-year deal, 12.5 million. That was fucked up. That was that's some that's some bargain money. Then they just got this man back for two and a half million. Call me crazy, but to me, why would I follow like the trends of a backup running back or anything like that? Somebody who's gonna be heavily utilized. I'm looking up there upwards of five to six million because then I know what the road is etched out for you is there to be had. With two point five million, it's like damn, you can't find nothing better. Ingr- Melvin, use this good. You can't find more than two and a half million when go. You know when Raheem got paid and a few other running backs got paid a ton more money. He's gonna be. He's the best pass catcher. But I feel like people reading into it other than that. Javante is going. He's what clearly better. Like you said, we all thinking the same thing. It's gonna be to me fifty five forty five and Melvin probably the third down. Other than that. Javante is, is going to get his. I don't think it's going to be a huge spike where he climbs 10 spots, but anywhere between four to six is within a fair outcome just as a floor. And if he break out like, you know, JT, I wouldn't be surprised either, you know? If that's the case, go ahead and make this guy the starter, right? Treat this guy like a two and a half. If you're saying two and a half million, it's not a significant amount of money. Then treat him like that. Let Javante be the starter and let him be more the AJ Dillon. You know what I'm saying? Let him let Javante be more the what's the other running back from the, the starter for the Packers? Uh, a- brain freeze. Uh, AJ? No, Dillon is the backup, but Jones. Yeah, let him be Jones. You know what I'm saying? So that's all I'm saying. Like this guy, like his yards after contact is crazy. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah, it he, is. He 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 one of them. Like he's he Henry esque. He that deal. He he sh- he should be the breakout. I mean. Before they now, even signed, before they signed Melvin Gordon, I was like, "This guy gonna be a top five back, fancy back." Like that's how on I the got depth it. chart. He is first now, though. Oh, they got him listed as first. Yeah. Okay. Good. That's he's good, a, he's ahead of Melvin Gordon on the depth chart. Okay. Um. So and they're indicating that he he's going to be treated as such. So that's one of the reasons why he's he's my breakout because as you said last year he was treated as the second running back. Right. So if you flip that thing and he was with minimal touches he was up there as far as rankings were concerned so real quick and you're um where's the split like because last year it's 50 50. do you think you go more to a 60 40 now i'm thinking yeah i'm thinking 60 40 and most okay. importantly he's gonna be the goal line guy oh shit. yeah he definitely a breakout then if he can get 60 percent and they and they trust him more around the goal line because that's what melvin gordon was kind of cashing in too he doubled him up on the rushing touchdowns last year but if they do that, then yeah, for sure, I'm with it. I'm just gonna just throw that in there. I think it's gonna be relative to down and distance, really. Even going back to Philip Lindsay and Ronnie Freeman, it just seemed like the role like was always down and distance. So, say for example, if it's a third and five to me, I think that's an Ingram. If it's a third and two, it's Javante. But I think as far as out carrying him, like I feel like he's gonna heavily favor him early, definitely early on in game script. And then as well, too, I think the goal line thing is going to pivot away. Like, especially with somebody with the dimensions as Russell, you don't have to, to like, you know, slight a hand. It doesn't matter if Javante's out there. It doesn't matter with Ingram. I think, you know, Javante can definitely get it done in the red zone more often. So I'm looking at it as 55-45. But I think it's going to be favorite. If he can do any more than that, like, he's, he's an extreme breakout, anything more than that. It don't In this situation, it don't make sense as far as down and distance. With most running backs, they kind of like opposite each other, so you can tell down this and who deserves what. But this dude does what Melvin Gordon do better. <laughs> so, you know, usually down this is the one guy's like a bigger back and the one guy's more of a speedier back. So, but shit, for down the distance, goal line, whatever, I mean, Javonta should be the person checking the box. 
look at I agree. Passing, <laughs> it just don't make Melvin, sense. Melvin Gordon can catch. That guy can catch. Let's, let's can we can we Javonta can Javonta can uh, Javonta had more catches than him last year. As far as I mean, that. so what are we talking about? Like this is why he's. <laughs> <laughs> Javonta had more catches than him last year. Like this dude is just, and they're saying they're going to use him more in the passing game. So yeah. I mean, and then look, look, look who his quarterback is. Let's say that all things are what they were last year as far as distribution and everything, right? Mm-hmm. If all that is the same, but you have a guy who can actually pass the ball, so the defense can't key in on the run game, mm-hmm. that alone makes him better this year. He was, again, top 15 in route participation. He has a much better quarterback now. Yeah. If he just gets what he got last year, he's a hell of a lot better. So, I mean, whether it's 50-50, 55-45, 60-40, whatever ends up happening as far as that's concerned, everyone that's on that team this year that was on that team last year is going to take a jump. It's, It's inevitable. Just that part alone is a huge piece to the puzzle of why everyone's numbers on that team should jump. The team itself should be much better. Moving on to the quarterbacks. <laughs> I got to I gotta go with y'all boy, man. Um, the Hawaiian kid. <laughs> the Samoan. Tua Taga Tagavaloa. Miami Dolphins. He, okay. he, I mean, look at him, man. If the guy doesn't break out this year, he need to be at Jiffy Lube. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is it. <laughs> There's no more excuses. You know what I'm saying? This guy has more weapons than hell most teams. Um, it's an approved offensive system. The offensive line has approved. It's another year maturation for him. You know what I'm saying? Uh, they, they put everything around you to succeed. I mean, you got this is the first time I've ever seen in the history of football where you have two wide receivers that run four twos. Yeah, Unheard that's of. True. That's true. Unheard of. Two wide receivers that run four two forties. And Mike Gusecki ain't exactly slow. You have a, a primetime, uh, I would say uh, at least a top 10, possibly, you know, tight end. I mean, he's, he's very talented. Um, Even refers to himself as a slot tight end. You know, they, they got uh, Chase Edmonds, who's a decent running back. Uh, most third decent running back. Michelle, decent running back. But it's not about the running back names. It's just the system. So you have yep. a zone running scheme. You have a great system for you to succeed in. This is a system where you get the ball out of your hand quick. So it kind of goes to your, your strengths. Because, you know, nobody throw a better slant than Tua now. Come True. On. He's <laughs> he very accurate. The, he, he just he throws, the, <laughs> he throws the best slant in the game. Which is why they mean? went and got him a wide receiver that can get the yard right. after the catch. Right. He going to get him to him in the right spot. Right. Both of them can. Right. So, I mean, with his efficiency and uh, with these weapons around him, I think this guy should challenge top 12 maybe. 10, 12 to 10, he, he should be able to break that mold. So I'm going to go with Tua as a as a breakout candidate this year. Let me ask you this. What's Garoppolo's highest finish? Do you know? What's his highest finish? Yeah, because if Garoppolo's better than Tua, same system, I'm seeing Tua ending up somewhere around where Garoppolo. Well, well Garoppolo finished 16 last year, right? Okay. Yeah, okay. Um, That's about where I see, I see Tua right around you know, 14, but, 15. But Tua has better weapons than Garoppolo. As far as on the edge. Now, of course, Kittle, he's better than Jaseki. But on the edge, I mean, you have Debo. That's cool. But you have Tyreek Hill and Waddle. Like, he has better true, weapons true. on the outside. True. Uh, so. We're not that far know. off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 12, yeah. 12 like, and 14 ain't that far off. Yeah. So, he should, you know. And if he finishes 12, I think that's that's a great season for him to break out. Because, I mean, he finished 26 this year. Facts. I like So, if he, he can make up half of that and finish 12, I would call that a breakout for sure. Joe, who you got up first? 
I'm gonna go Davis Mills, man. Like I found this really intriguing looking Davis into him. Mills. Okay. Yeah. Like anytime I like uh I spend this much time looking into a player and looking at coordinators and everything, I already feel confident where I see him going into next season. Mills finished at, with at least 18 fantasy points four out of the last five games that he even played. So we saw the maturation take place on a dismal team at that time and really just being thrown to the dumpster fire. Um, also, too, he had a deep, deep ball completion of 44.2%, which was good for fourth. He had a pressure completion of 42.9, which was 19, and then a clean pocket completion of 73%, which was seven. I always wanted to point those out because, like, again, being thrown to the dumpster fire, just being put out there. I liked how he handled everything. Even on a year, he had a 66% completion um, percentage. But what really intrigues me is that he still has Pat, you know, Pat Hamilton. Now, aside from being the offensive coordinator, well, the passing game coordinator and the QB coach for him last year, he's stepping into now as the offensive coordinator. And I feel like um, going to like what I did like last year with Joe Lamb and Clint Kubiak and everything else, uh, as far as breaking down and doing a deep dive as to how it helped those respective quarterbacks and cousins and Herbert, Pet Hamilton has coached Andrew Luck and Justin Herbert. People like I didn't even, I, I forgot that he even went that far. Um, his acumen for the game and the offense is really going to carry over. He already again was cemented as the passing game coordinator and QB coach. So I think. Uh, this is going to just expound on the offense and open it up more. And now he has a plethora of weapons going back to again, Mitchie. He has already cooks. He has Collins is going to take a big jump into next year. Um, him being QB 29 with the eighth e- easiest schedule. He should be half of that going into this year. And if you, you know, we look into the, the woes with the offensive line, getting Kenyon Green is a great start um, to the interior line. And we can all, we can speak to not compare him to Joe Burrow, but we've seen when we give him just a tiny bit, you know, of help in the offensive line, what that can do. And I think getting him an interior lineman to take some of that pressure off him, again, this guy completing over 70% of his po- uh, passes with a cleaner pocket. I like his upside. Somebody I can, I'm going to find a way to take in confidence um, to have as a second QB, but he's going to have upside to in weeks have QB one potential. So in Dynasty, this is a second year QB that is kind of being slept on right now, would you say? He being heavily slept on. So if you were trying to get a Davis Mills, second year QB in Dynasty could be a person that you ride out through the end of your, through the end of the Dynasty. How much would you be willing to pay for that guy? Man. So so I don't make the same mistake that I did with the last segment with Chubb. Can you elaborate on that? Like, like can we get a view as an example? So, so okay. So, better? okay. Let's say you have Davis Mills, right? He's your, uh, you're in a super flex. He's your, let's say, third quarterback on your team or fourth quarterback on your team, however that works out. And I'm interested in getting him from you. What? What type of a package or what level of player would it take for you to move on from him for me to get him from? Does that make sense? I understood. I think because he's being slept on right now, I think you can get away with a wide receiver too or a running back too um, where he sits currently because nobody's expecting him to perform relatively well. Again, this is a guy who, if you look at season long, had 12.8 fantasy points. And so you're looking at straight up or a wide receiver too and running back too, just to make sure I heard oh, you correctly. Oh, whichever, whatever fits a team needs. So if they need a wide receiver too, that's what I'm going I'm to first extend that. So offer. one, not both is what I'm saying. Yeah, one, not both. Definitely. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Okay. The opposite end of that question, mm-hmm. what do you think his value actually is? Because that's what you think you can get him for, right? There, there's a great, 
it's a great opportunity to show the listeners the distinction between value and worth. So okay. the value is what the market is, is indicating you can probably get them for. But what is he worth? To me personally, and I think I, right. I could right. save this save this for a different show because this is going to lead to a thousand questions. I think he has upside to finish in the top 16. There's this there's this year, you got to okay. think about he hardly had no snap hit and OTAs training camp. Autos was given to Tyrod. He was just getting the, the, the scraps kind of thrown in the flames. Right. Again, we got to look at his sample size. Four out of five of his last five games, mm-hmm. he went for 18 fantasy points. OK, now he has a whole system with Pat Hamilton, who was his quarterback coach the last year. OK, which was the passing game coordinator the last year. He got Ted White, another Got a you know more of his new quarterback coach to now come in like and now he has a whole offseason about it only being about him and then they give him arguably a steal at wide receiver in Mechie this year to go with Cook and Collins. We're not asking him to do too much more, but the vertical aspect of the the offense will be there, which wasn't there before because again, looking at track record with Hamilton, what he's done with Andrew Luck, both at Stanford and the Colts. And what he just did in 2020 with Justin Herbert. We got to put those and, you know, put that into a pot and cook it up. This guy definitely can finish QB 16 with a full season, at least. I won't argue against it. That, that's what this show is about. Breakouts, guys that we think are going to take the next step and the reasons why. And I mean, I, I can't argue with your logic. My first quarterback, Justin Fields. Fields finishes a top. 12 fantasy quarterback in his last four full games in 2021, averaging 21.7 fantasy points per game. He averaged 56 rushing yards per game over his last six games. And he also averaged over the season about 35 rushing yards per game during his rookie season. Now, the reason this is significant, the last three rookie quarterbacks to do this, Cam Newton, Josh Allen, RG3. That's it. That's the list. They all finish as top 12 fantasy quarterbacks their next season, with two out of those being top six quarterbacks. He's in a position to whereas his floor is going to be solid because of the amount of rushing that's going to be required of him. But he's a good enough passer of the ball that the guys that he does have on his team, he's going to make them better than what they actually are. He has a system that's going to be built for him, around him, guys that were hired that indicated prior to taking the job that maximizing his skill set is going to be priority number one. I don't mind the way that they're building the team. You want to build from the inside out. I understand why they didn't go hog wild as far as wide receivers were concerned this year, because there's going to be some guys available next year. that They're going to really be able to take the next step as far as team building is concerned. But Mooney is another guy that slept on right now. When we have our sleeper episode, he he might be on that list. Byron Pringle is a guy that, when dependent upon in Kansas City, he was able to fit the bill. But he was like third, fourth on the depth chart any given day. So they do have a couple of guys. Cole Komet, I think he's going to take the next step as far as uh, tight end is concerned. So I do believe that Justin Fields is going to be able to take that leap and be one of those guys that we look at as, wow, how did I not see this coming? But it can go that way. Or if for whatever reason, Chicago's offense just doesn't take, it can go, I think worst case for him is somewhere around the level of 18 points, give or take on average per game. On the upside, I think he can do for a season what he was able to do for his last four games, which is averaging over 20 points. 
Well, check this one out. And this is how it is. It's, it's inevitable that the 49ers will eventually decide to name Trey Lance the starting quarterback. They gave up the entire form for this guy. Now it's time to give him the keys, let him do his thing. Trey Lance, man, this dude got a dynamic skill set. The arm strength that people talking about in camp, we already known what he could do with those legs. I mean, he's in a phenomenal offense under Kyle Shanahan. He has a plethora of weapons. Debo Samuel, George Kittle, uh, even brought uh, Ayuk. You maybe see a guy like a Jennings take a step forward, who's they've been talking up in camp. Uh, this guy only started two games last year, but he averaged 22 points a game in a PPR standpoint. And uh, he averaged, what, 60 yards in those games as far as rushing. Those are QB1 numbers. Absolutely. You know what I mean? So, and, and it's funny, right, where he's ranked and where he's being drafted. I think this is the time where, and I'm just might sound crazy, but I'm taking Trey Lance over Aaron Rodgers this year. I don't think that's crazy at all. I mean, being that Rodgers is who he is, being the back-to-back MVP that he is, some people will look at that and be like, you know what I mean? But I think if you're drafting, you see, you're going to see these guys are near each other when you're, when you're drafting your team. So I think if you have Rodgers staring in your face and you see Trey Lance, man, I think you should take a you know leap of faith. I mean, it's it's a more of a a, a higher selling type of right. um, gamble you're doing, sure. right? But if you know what you, if you're the type of guy you want to play it safe, then go with Rogers, of course. But if you want to blow it out the park, go with Trey Lance, man. This is my breakout guy as far as quarterbacks, man. I think this guy is gonna push top five. Mm. Uh, yeah, okay, he's gonna push top five. I mean, why not? That 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 sounds like he might be on another show we got coming up. That's uh, one of our most popular shows. Uh, you know, might be on that yeah. man's in them list. He, he definitely top ten, but I think he's gonna. It depends on the, the the as far as what he does with those legs. But I think ten is his floor. Okay, in my opinion, I think Trey Lance, man, ten is his floor. Joe, right. so you got another quarterback? I don't think he'll be quite as high as five. But again, I see. I don't see a flaw in your logic. He's he's one of those guys that can come out of nowhere. He has the the running capability of a Lamar Jackson, but with the throwing capacity, let's say of a a rich man's Kirk Cousins. So that accuracy, that ability to throw the deep ball, and being able to run. If you combine Kirk Cousins and Lamar Jackson, yeah, you're going to get a QB1. So I see your logic. I just don't. It's one of those things that kind of like I said with Chicago, if it all comes together. But with that offense, it doesn't all have to come together. It's all clicking. He just has to make it go. Everything else was already there. So I can see him having a higher season than the than just the fields um, because for sure there was only one piece that has to be worked on and worked in, if that makes sense. Nah, for sure. He definitely should finish in front of Fields this year. High risk, high reward, actually, with this one. Mm -hmm. Um, I do honestly believe he's going to finish in that top 15. I definitely can. I I just can't put him in top 10 relative to the offense. Like, I mean, he he can get it rushing the ball. Obviously, scoring touchdowns. Let me say that. Watch this, though. Watch this real quick. Why can't you put him in top 10 when Jalen Hurst just finished 10? I think as far as the offense, again, (laughs) it's, it's to be seen. To be seen. I All I, I know is on Madden, every time I run with him, he fumbled a damn ball. So I, I don't. He's that, a big just, kid now. He's a big kid. He's tough. But I'm just saying, if Jalen Hurts can finish ten, why can't this guy be ten? Uh, to me, it's the, to me, it's the lack of games. That, like to me, if I have to point to anything, it's the lack of games. I'm not saying he won't get there. I do think of him eventually being a top ten talent. 
he can do it this year. I, I wholeheartedly agree with that statement. But we also got to think considerably how many games he's played this year and how many games he played in college. He only played not even more than a dozen games in college. He sat out the last year and did declare. And then before that, he hurt himself and had to go forgo that season. Again, talent-wise, he can. De- I see it in the range of outcome. Mm-hmm. I just don't know this year if I can say that. But I could put him in the top 15, no problem. And then, too, as far as the offenses and the, the weaponry or whatever, they took it purposefully out of the, the hands of a Miles Sanders in the red zone. And made you know I'm not saying they won't do that with the um, the 49ers, but I like the weapons better on the 49ers than right. with the. I mean, no, sorry, let me rephrase that. I like it better with the Eagles than the 49ers. That, I'm that's not, this year. What about last year? No, no, I mean, la, I mean, I'm that's what I'm saying. You last like the year, we- Yeah, you like. The, hold on, you like the weapons on the last year's Philadelphia team than this year's San Francisco team? Oh, no. I like your weapons the last year, of course, because they didn't have uh, AJ. But right. I think Devontae, so, right. But Devontae Smith and now AJ and everything else, like, that's – no. Let he me finished 10th last year, though. That's what I'm saying. But let me – So let going off last year's weapons that he had in comparison to – because like you said, you're right. They took the ball in Miles Sanders' hand and seemed like Jalen ran a lot more. But I think – Trey may be a better pass of the ball. You know what I mean? I can see. I can. I can agree with that. I can agree with that part too. Listen, I, well, I, I it think... may depend upon then if you if you get the six yard, um, if you get the four points for a passing touchdown versus mm-hmm. getting six points for a passing touchdown. Because if the way Jalen cashed in was a lot of his touchdowns were the six point variety, and if you're right. in a league that right. you get, uh, you know, you get that six versus getting a four. But if if you get six for passing touchdowns, then it doesn't matter because a passing touchdown is equal to a rushing touchdown. But that's how he was able to kind of interject himself. But to your point, because Trey Lance can throw the ball a little bit better, that means they they may not use him on the goal line as a running back the way Philly had to use uh, Hurts. So that may be the thing that gets him a few less points. Trey is is definitely a breakout. It's I, I I don't know. I just want I, I just want to I won't be surprised, but I gotta see it. But I definitely would I'm definitely consider everything that we've all heard. I definitely like I like him a lot. I think for you like you said, you can get a Hertz, you know, last year's Hertz at the value at much more value right now, uh where, where Trey is expected to go right now. So I love the value. That's tremendous value to point that out. Couple other quarterbacks that I have, Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson. So with oh Trevor my Lawrence. God. Here's the thing. Hear me out. Hear me out. Trevor Lawrence, right? <laughs> you got Doug Peterson calling the shots on the offense now, right? So there's an adult in the room. Doing his five-year tenure in Philadelphia, only once did the offense not finish top 10 in pass attempts. So the pass attempts are going to be there, right? He has depth at the skill positions, right? He already has a familiarity, obviously, with Travis Etienne, who is another guy that's kind of on that breakout list for me he just didn't quite make my top three mm-hmm. but he has several wide receivers that i believe christian kirk is capable of really popping in that uh, slot position they'll be able to kind of have the cream rise to the top however far that top may be as far as the other wide receivers are concerned but they do have options they have Evan ingram at tight end they also have dan arnold at tight end so if they decided you know to go the route of the Dallas Goddard, Zach Ertz type of a situation. I can see that boding well for them as well, based on the fact that they don't have top-notch, 
top end wide receivers, if you will. But if you look at the pieces that are there and you look at the offenses that Doug Peterson has been used to running and we look at the talent that Trevor Lawrence has, he didn't just lose that talent. He was in a horrible position last year with everything that was going on with that team and it being his rookie year. He has a guy now or a group of guys because you have to look at the offensive coordinator as well and his track record for working with guys of uh, Trevor Lawrence's elk. So, and also look at the fact of where you can draft him and where he ended last year. He can't help but jump up. So my thing is when you're in these two QB leagues, super flex leagues, where you can get the advantage is understanding where you can get those bench quarterbacks before the well runs dry, but at the same time, stealing some of the skill positions that are going to help you get through the year when you start looking at injury and things of that nature. So a Trevor Lawrence, a Justin Fields, a, Jack, a Zach Wilson, these are going to be guys that you don't have to give up major draft capital for. But based on where I see them ending up, you would not have lost anything at that QB2 or that backup guy for the uh, bye weeks and things of that nature, barring injury. And just to go through Zach Wilson real quick, uh, with Zach Wilson, obvious offensive weapon improvements. He's got Garrett Wilson. He has Brees Hall. He got C.J. Uzama, much improved O-line, um, and he's healthy. Most of last year, he was struggling through injuries. So I'm not one to paint someone as a injury-prone player based on one year. Combining injury with it being your rookie year and combining that with having a coach that was still trying to figure out his way as well, I believe that everything on this team is going to be much improved. So it's going to be along the lines of the Trevor Lawrence type of a situation, but Lawrence wasn't injured and Zach Wilson is going to have that much more familiarity because the offense hasn't changed. The coaching staff hasn't changed. The only thing that has changed is an upgrade of all of his weapons. So I think that this guy is another one of those guys that not only is he a breakout, but he's a sleeper as well, because people are going to look at what happened last year and, and kind of be kind of scorned. But I really think he can be much improved over where he over what he did on last year. So that's all I got at QB. Uh, I don't know, man. As far as Wilson, I mean, you say Zach Wilson. I mean, the guy finished 30th out of quarterbacks. I mean, where else could he go? He's already in the basement. I mean, where else could he go? 32 teams in the league, right? Yep. He, he finished 30th. Okay. So when you say breakout, break where? Like, how far is the breakout? Like, I'm saying that he's going to – he'll be somewhere in the neighborhood of about QB 20. Okay. And if Lawrence finished 22nd, how far does this breakout go? I can actually see Lawrence being somewhere in the same avenue of where Joe has – Mills ending up right around that 16, 17-ish. That's going to be hard. I don't think it's going to be hard at all, man. Like 16? And I, I I don't know if I shared this with on one of the shows. I'm quite sure I did it. Lawrence, towards the end of the season, what made a 180 as far as his decision-making, his reads, his progressions. What people aren't gonna, are going to look at is, oh, he's number one. He's supposed to, like, we're looking at the prestige, like, who we thought he was going to be. Like, we the comparisons to Peyton and, and Andrew. And we've and we seen under, you know, the Ohio State guy, it was a shit show. The regime totally changed it around. To Zay Point, they bought in Peterson. They bought Mike McCoy and Jim Bob Cooter. 
that's like that's goat status dudes pretty much around him. He had none of that talent uh, as far as offensive prowess around him on that side of the field. So with that alone, he, like Mike McCoy, who we seen work with Phillip Rivers and, and a, ple- a bevy of quarterbacks. I hate that I only named one, but Mike McCoy is that dude. Jim Bob Cooter is that dude. They got two people and Peterson who's going to be hand and foot with him, changing all everything around him, and he has weapons. Regardless of how this offensive look, they have to get you know all these people involved to compete in the AFC South. But 16, though? Oh, like, uh, like I can was, run off a quick. I can run off a quick. I can run off a quick sixteen that that you would agree that's in front of him. A, a sixteen that's in front of him. Yeah. You, you asked me where the ceiling was, and I think it's around 16, 17. Oh, that's his ceiling. Okay, I want to know yeah. where this dude' floor is at. His that's floor. What, if he's because um, if he finished twenty second, and we say he's gonna be a breakout, how? Like how high, you know what I'm saying? I want to know like concealing. I mean I, I mean, honestly, if he if he finished at 22 with all that tumultuous situation going on, I don't think moving up that few spots is out of the realm of possibility. I mean, I think it is I'm more solidified. But- it, I, I think it is now because there's so much has changed where you got guys like a Russell Wilson who's on a new team now that's gonna be higher. You got guys like maybe like a Mac Jones that maybe be higher. You got Matt Ryan, no, who's no, 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 no. You don't think I don't Matt, like Jones? Matt Jones? I, I, I think, there's some I think good things coming. That's some good things coming out of there about Matt Jones. So you, you're not feeling him? No, no, no. It's, it's not that. It's just that I know, I know the Patriots' offense, and I know what we do come wintertime. So Trevor, I mean, Lawrence, Matt Jones didn't have a bad season, though. No, he didn't. But he also had a game where they only let him throw the ball once. Okay. I mean, like, cool. I'm, I'm, not, so, I'm not talking about his talent. Right. So you got, I'm talking about got, fantasy points. You got Matt Ryan, who's in a different situation, who's going to catapult, right? Trevor Lawrence and Matt Ryan are, are 1A, 1B to me. I, I don't see Matt Ryan being – he's right in that range. I, I don't see him oh, being – wow. Because Matt Ryan doesn't run the ball. He don't have to run we, the we, ball. But, but what I'm saying is when you add the, the, the floor to the, the the running game gives you, that gives you a little bit – like even in your bad games, you don't do quite as bad because you don't have to depend on, on one or the other. That actually – puts him on footing with a Matt Ryan to me. Not because they're the same level of QB, but we're talking about fantasy. So right, that right. running I'm, is important. I'm, I'm definitely talking about fantasy. It's not like Trevor Lawrence. I mean, he he's he has some athleticism, right, to, to, to run the ball, but he only had like two rushing touchdowns. I mean, does he really run the ball? Like, I get it. He can run. So can Aaron Rodgers. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, he no, can but, 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 run, but, no, I'm comparing him specifically to the guy you just named, Matt Ryan, who doesn't run at all. Right, but this is a guy that's going to maybe push over 4,500 yards or something, or maybe 4,000 yards passing the ball. I, I mean, can so, see Trevor Lawrence not being too far behind that. This is, a, again, Doug Peterson, top 10 in pass attempts in every offense he's ran. Again, we're looking at breakouts, so we're not looking at safe plays here. We're looking at right, right, right. It could happen that, that that you could not foresee. This is one of those things that I'm saying, based on the coaches that are there, based on his talent, based on him having a lot more at wide receiver and ETN being healthy, there's a lot in his – if he finished at 22 with what he had last year, why would he not come up? Like, I guess that's that's what I should be asking you. Like, like I mean, yeah, but how, but how far, though? Favorite. How far is – that's what I'm saying. Like, when I say breakout, I'm thinking, like, how far is this breakout? If he's finished if he's finished 22nd, I just want to know where this floor is at. Like, where is this breakout going to go? Because – Well, his, his floor is going to be 22. His breakout okay. is going to be 16. I Nobody finished somewhere 14. in the middle. 
I don't think if you're breaking out, your floor shouldn't be where you're at right now. Your floor should be raised. You can't finish 25th and say my floor, I'm breaking out this year and my floor is 25. Like it gotta go up. Your floor got to go up. I can agree with that. I'll say a floor <laughs> is 20 then. I'll, I'll put a floor at 20 then. No, and the only reason right. I'm saying that is it's another one of those offenses that because it is the first year, we yeah. know what we've seen, but we don't know what we'll see. So there's a little variance in there. Maybe it takes them three weeks to really get that thing going, but once it's going, it's humming. But right, real we see the same Do, thing with a Matt okay, Ryan who, too. Okay, who, his finishes, first who finishes higher, Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence? Mm, that's tough. So you, you see what I'm saying? Now this is a guy I'm that finished. Say, I'm, this guy finished 31st last year. So this is what I'm saying. You're gonna have guys from the back that's gonna leapfrog him. That's why I don't see him getting 16 is gonna be difficult. Not counting the guys that's already that finished ahead of him that's gonna finish higher again this year. But you got guys that either wasn't playing last year or guys like a Justin Fields who's gonna come up. So I'm gonna know is this a guy that's gonna finish ahead of him? I don't see. And I, I've been ranking the list this whole entire time, right? Mm-hmm. Many people. I'm gonna list them out. We got Wentz, Mac Jones, Golf. Two. I'm not naming them. No, 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 no. Don't name none of them. Winston, Trubisky, Darnold, Mariota, Tannehill, let's say Brissett, and let's say Gino, right? So that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13. He already, in my personal opinion, better than 13 quarterbacks. Right. Right there. So right. that's the baseline. He's already at, like you to your point, where he is now. So where can he stand to get better? Was- I think. The conversation, it can be said at this point, because we got to look at who's on the other side of the fence. To this point, this is the reason of the show. It's fair to, to me, going from 22, I would put them all the way up to 14. I think we're being a little too generous to what we expect in other teams. Can I curse? Go ahead. Fuck no. Bro, you... (laughs) Fuck no. So what am I getting Christian not, Kirk for paying um, Jones all that money? The, the same why reason why we've seen this. We've seen this movie before. We've seen guys go out here and get overpaid, get all these. Because you got, you know, why you get all these guys? Because you're Jacksonville, and you have to overpay. You have to overcompensate for somebody to want to come live in your town and play for your team. That's why you do it. Because they, they got a bunch of guys that's just guys. There's nobody standing out in this thing. There's no. There's no standout. There's no, you say Doug Peterson all the time if he's spent in Philadelphia. There's no Desan Jackson on this team. There's no Alshon Jeffrey on this team. There's no Shady McCoy on this team. Like, so yeah, he did all those things in Philly with way better talent. Like, come on, like. ETN could very well be Shady McCoy. Oh, man. Get the fuck out of here, man. But it's the same skill set. I mean, like, seriously. It really is the same skill set. I think so much is being downplayed about Kirk. But I, man, that I boy is not no LaShawn McCoy, man. He def- same skill he set. He might not have the same ceiling, but it's the same skill set. This is, a, I think, I think philosophically, 14. it's a no, no, oh, no, go ahead. Come on, Joe. You name, oh, no. you name, you name about 13 guys that was Jags. Now, I can name 14 guys that is going to be, okay. Again, answer the question is Phil's going to be ahead of him? I think they'll be right around the same territory. That's why they're both on my list. Is Fizz going to be ahead of him? <laughs> is this yes or no? I'll say no. I don't think he'll have nearly as many passing yards. I'll say no. He'll, Fields will be just behind. So you don't think, okay, so you speak on the, the Russian uh, acclimate of, of of him. So you don't think his yeah. Russian will make up for that, for that passing we talk about? Because we just seen Jalen Hurts finish 10 and ain't pass worth a shit. 
Well, but his true. legs made up for but that. It, it, it. But it was the touchdowns. I think I think he didn't have a David Montgomery or a Khalil Herbert. So I, I think on the on the goal line where they used again Hertz, his main thing was those rushing touchdowns. I, I don't. I think again, Justin Fields can get it from 15 yards out. I don't I, think I, they're going to use him on the goal line. Again, the offensive coordinator they got now in Chicago, who came from this, from college, has called mm-hmm. way more design runs than like he he called design runs like a mother. Like this is something to look at. So that's what I'm saying. You got Fields. You got guys that, like I say, guys that's being inserted, like the guy just spoke of, Trey Lance. This guy's going to finish ahead of him. So he wasn't even on the list. This is a guy that how that now has catapult him. You already agree, Josh Allen, Brady, Herbert, Mahomes, Wait. Stafford, Dak, Burrow, Rogers, Cousins, Hurts, Kyler Murray. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. Carr, what number is Murray? What was it? 11. 11? Okay. Derek Carr, right? Lamar okay. Jackson. Mm. You see what I'm saying? Like guys like that, that's going to – people Who's forgot that? about – And that was what, 14? Jackson's that 14? That was – Lamar Jackson would be 13. 13. Okay, keep going. Keep and, going. Okay. I, like, I like where we're going so far. Okay. Keep going. And now, Trey Lance. Okay. That's okay. Keep going. Right. That's you putting them there or where they finish? Because I feel no, like no, no. I'm just no, naming. No, that, that's no, what he's I'm, projecting. I'm naming. I'm just. Okay. I'm going down the list where people finish, but these are guys that's ahead of him. Right. Okay. Right? Keep going. So, and that's at what? 14, right? We got Lamar 14, Jackson. 14. Yes, sir. Russell Wilson. Okay. 15. Okay. Right. Matt Ryan. Right. 16. Now, we speak that's on, where that's about where that's about yeah so so, so that's yeah. so that's so why I, I, I ask I, about yeah, fields I, and guys like that so you see what i'm saying yeah. so i'm like okay so that that puts them right where where i said 17 18 that, that, that's exactly oh, where i said oh, it. now you're saying now you're dropping the 17 18. somebody no, said 14. Said. did somebody Joe say 14? Said 14. I, said, I, I didn't said 14. say 14. i didn't say that okay you said 16 Zay. so that that's right about didn't you say matt ryan was at 16. And I said that I no, think Matt Ryan that, to be, I think seventeen, fifteen, eh? 16, seventeen. 16, I think seventeen. So, got, so that's and you got, and you got, but you got Russell Wilson as well. Like I said, you already named him. You you put him at like fourteen or fifteen or something. You already no, named I didn't. him. No, nah. yes, you did. No, I didn't. I promise you, already named him, bro. Okay, I'm looking at my list. I'm I'm gonna run it back at twelve. I promise you said name at twelve. I got Derek Carr. So okay, all right. Now I'm gonna ask this question. What about Tanny Hill? No, no what. I think Tannehill is, is not going to be above Lawrence or Fields because of his passing acclimate. No, because well, because he runs the ball now. This guy has seven rushing touchdowns last year. Yeah, but I mean, right now his number one wide receiver can't stay on the field due to asthma, and his number two wide receiver is recovering from an ACL. Why and, don't you think and, his? But, why do you think Burks is his number one? Why, why, why would Woods be his number one wide receiver? Okay, sure, whatever. His number one wide receiver is recovering from ACL, and his number two wide receiver can't stay on the field due to asthma. And the team, when Henry is healthy, they're most definitely one of the most run first. So I, I don't see Tannehill. I, I think Tannehill is going to take a step back this year. So, but, wait, but again, but this, that's right around the the level that I think that these two guys can jump to. Though. So you, you're naming guys that I think they're right. Like, again, play. though, before, when AJ Brown was hurt. What was Tannehill still doing? I don't remember. He wasn't on my radar like that. That's what I'm saying. So, but it's I know like, he wasn't consistent. But he, as far as fantasy, he he was finishing up there. Nah, right, I don't so know. So, you you gonna have to give me the numbers on that. One. I, I I can't you confirm about that. No, but what 
No, he was speaking specifically on the games without AJ though. Yeah, That's like big barrier. Oh. Yeah, like when AJ was down, you know what I'm saying? He was still, you know, doing well. So just because AJ left on me, all of a sudden Ryan Patan is gonna disappear. So you thinking, so again, I'm willing to bet wings and beer on this as well. You think Tandy is gonna finish under Lawrence? I would do that yeah. as well. I do that. Okay, we're gonna pin that. Cool. Pin that up. Write it on your chalkboard. Yep, hold on. I'm putting it on the board right now. All right. What you think about that, Joe? You taking Lawrence over Tannehill? Over Tannehill? Yeah, I definitely would. On the fi- on the final finish? Oh, yeah, on the final finish. Yeah. Barring injury, of course. Now. Oh, man, hell, hell no. That's a part of football. If, if, one, if, if one of them get hurt, then obviously they can't win. I mean, How many games are we talking about? There's got to be a minimum. Uh, let's say more than two games. So damn, the minimum is two games? Do you mean two games injured or like what's the total amount of games they need? No, if they play? if they're out for two games. Like if they if they have a I mean if they miss so three they, or more games. No, they gotta be a minimum of like a okay, if you play at least twelve games, this bet is good. Like, come on, like two games? No, what I'm saying so so are we looking at per game or end of year end of points? year? Who's gonna have the most fantasy points out of the two? So you're saying if one person plays 12 games and another one plays 18, then the bet is still on? Yeah, it should Just be so a minimum. Yeah, it should be a minimum of games played before it can so be a legit said, bet. You can't say, okay, this to... guy plays 17, this guy plays 15. So that's why I said they would, they would have to be within three games of each other or, or, or the points are completely skewed. Okay, so within three so games like of if, each if, other. Yeah, so like if one if one plays eighteen games and one plays twelve, obviously the other one's going to have. All right, no so we got Car- really we got Carson Wentz, another guy. Didn't or, or 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 do you prefer if you want to look at a twelve game minimum, something like that? That's what I said. Po- well, hold on, calm down. Let me finish. Do you want to look at points per game versus end of season? Nah, points? hell no. So nah. that ain't way, no if point- any one nah, of them get hurt, nah, it don't matter. Nah, nah, ain't no points per game. Who gonna finish? Okay, well, so they would have to finish within three games or each other, or it wouldn't make sense either way. Because the other one would have to have more points. If they man, you got to stay your ass games. on the field, man. It's gambling. That's what it is. It's gambling. I'm taking Trevor. Carson Wentz. Is this a guy that y'all put over him? Yes. Oh, yeah. Definitely. No. Which one? Which? What's the definitely? Oh, over Lawrence. I mean, uh, I would take Lawrence over uh, Wentz. Yeah, i take Lawrence over Wentz. Two different offensive styles. Washington is going to run the ball. I mean, they... They have a surefire committee. Their, their coach has already stated as much. And, you know, again, Doug Peterson, top 10 in pass attempts everywhere he's coached. So I, I'm looking at philosophy. I'm looking at talent. Now, and I'm, I'm looking at the team that's most likely see. to be behind. It's going to be a whole lot of garbage points that Trevor's going to be picking up. But, I mean, again, Carson Wentz just left a team that ran the ball. So I'm confused. He just came from a situation where they ran the ball more. With Washington, the coach has already said that it's going to be a three-back system. In in Indy, they have JT is the dude. Don't hear what I'm not saying. The opportunity isn't going to be the same as it was in Indy. It's just two completely different systems. He's more close to the vest. He, he's, he's more of the I'm not going to let you do to me what got you fired in Indy type of a coach. Those were some of the statements that were said when he was chosen as the quarterback. Like, he's not going to allow him to hurt the team. It's it's a different philosophy is all that I'm saying. And in my humble opinion, based on what I have in front of me, I think Trevor Lawrence – okay, uh, let me ask on. you this. Are, are, do you think Trevor Lawrence is not as good a quarterback as Wentz? No. What do we – He's not. You don't? Okay. Like, like y'all looking at – y'all looking at the, the – is he sexy or not? 
Like you looking at Carson Wentz, like he didn't have a bad throw. He didn't throw the ball bad. He only threw seven interceptions this year. Like he didn't. How throw many the touchdowns ball. he throw? Twenty-seven. How many sacks? Oh, oh shit! Now so we're look, talking about so how many sacks. So look, like, just, what just, the, let me let me be more relative. Let me be more relative. What are we doing? Right? I'm looking at his stats right now. Where does I don't see none of this. Where and this is with the best running back in the league. All this other stuff. I don't see him being able to do a 300 to that many 300 yard games. He only had two with the Colts. You're going from a losing team to a losing program, and you don't do anything out of the norm. The Colts, like you said, the Colts, he he handed he threw the ball more, more times than not, anywhere between 24 to 30 times a game, and you still ain't have 300 yards. You still ain't have multiple games of, of freaking two touchdowns. You only well, had let me see one two. You're talking about. 300-yard games. How many 300-yard games did Lawrence had? Like, I'm trying know, to find out. Where? He only had two, okay? So who gives a damn about a 300-yard game? Yeah, he's going to have a whole lot more attempts. Okay, but he's I, I, I can't. I, what I'm I looking you at with is attempts, not what but, happened last year. What I'm looking at is what I think may happen this year if things swing right, which is why he's a breakout, right? I, I'm I, not I, saying I, that you that you, that you you write home about him. I'm not saying that you, you bet your mortgage on it. What I'm saying is that if this offense – is what Doug Peterson normally produces. That he has the ceiling that's better than most of the quarterback that Doug Peterson has worked with. I, I feel you, but again, the, he don't have the weapons that Doug Peterson had in these other stops too, as well. You got to consider that. Don't just think, okay, well, he's probably has he's probably as talented as any quarterback Doug had, but he hasn't had the weapons in these stops that Doug has had as well. That matters. And who gives a damn I don't about three yard games? I don't know that the weapons on that team are as bad as they have been made to look with the prior coach. So in comparison to the Philadelphia so, Eagle weapons that he had, are you serious? But th- so, but this, look, th- th- look at the lack of depth on that team. Oh Let me God. just say this. Let me. I just want to say this to make to make a fair point, right? <laughs> we looking at just Trevor Trevor Lawrence's season, right? T- take out the yards for yards, he has way more yards than Wentz. The to Zay's point, he's getting he's going to a philosophy. That is pass heavy. I like his chances off of that alone. I'm going to see the regression from Wentz going from Indianapolis to the Redskins. What offensive line he, does he have? You, you talk about. We see him buckle under pressure all the fucking time. Like this just dude, because you just because you throw the ball more, don't know you're going to be more successful. That's what y'all don't realize. Y'all like, oh, he's going to a more pass heavy team. The dude led the league in interceptions. What the fuck are we talking about right now? Like y'all talking about? Oh, he's going to more pass heavy. He finished twenty two oh. with twelve touchdowns. He led the league in interceptions, okay. sir. That's great. But Go, what happens? And, and, what happens so, to the, is it twenty twenty two yet? Has he played a game this year? Yet? He's led the league in interceptions, and you telling me he's going to a more pass heavy situation? That didn't, sounds like a disaster. It's, didn't Peyton Manning lead the league in interceptions his rookie year? I was about to say that. <laughs> This so this motherfucker Peyton Manning now. So you think I'm, 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 I'm just I'm just saying. Hearing this. No, Given nah, what you said, nah, man, you on, can't man. disqualify him from making a huge jump in year two. Uh, given the change in the situation, that's, that's all. I'm cool, saying. but what I, I'm saying I, I, is y'all speaking like what I'm talking about is y'all saying okay, it's gonna be more pass heavy. Like that's a that's all. That's a great thing. Hell, it may be. A, he may is. go from seventh. Hell, might not be. He may go from 17 picks to 30 picks. Do you think that he is capable of being as good as Jameis Winston was when he threw 30 interceptions? Do I think he could be as good as Jameis Winston? I don't he, know. Because I don't, you're I don't, talking interceptions, I don't, right? I don't know. I, no, no. So what I'm saying is no, no, no. See, he's going to be on a, don't, 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 don't mix it up. Number one, Jameis had better weapons than this dude. All right? 
That's number one. Number two, what I'm saying is you, you're saying just because he's going to be passing the ball more, what I'm saying is that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be a great thing. No, I, That's I what I'm saying. Simple question. Do you think that he will be as good as or better than Jameis Winston when he threw the 30 interceptions and third touchdown? I think he'd be worse than Jameis. Okay. How about that? Because this dude, at least when Jameis well, threw on hold on, when Jameis threw all them picks, he had touchdowns. This dude has thrown more picks than touchdowns. So you had like he done so been how, on the field. No, 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 for fucking come on, Zay. Hey, hey, I'm looking for what I see. Trey Lance need to go. It's gonna come from the bottom of the dumpster bear to top ten. Right, but you can only I'm, go on with. But see, <laughs> I'm about to stump you real quick. About? See, you you talking to the god. I'm about to stump you. You talking about the bottom nope, of the dumpster? Right how is he coming from the bottom? So how is he coming from the bottom of the dumpster? You talking about Trey fantasy Lance? Relevance. Where did he finish? Okay, fantasy. fantasy okay, sir. Fantasy relevance. Trey Lance averaged more fantasy points a game than this dude, sir. Right, in the two starts. Hold on. Like, in the two points, starts. In the two. Look at the sample size. Okay, it, it don't matter. In the two starts that he has. Oh in the in the you two starts. I'm, I'm about start. to let okay. me finish. In the two starts, you about you want me to compare him? In the two starts that he did have, he averaged more points than this guy. One. Number two. two hold on. Number two. He has better weapons than this guy. Number three, oh, he have a boy. better defense than this guy. Sir, he has sir, a better signal caller than this guy. He, yeah, you fucking right, he do. What are oh, you talking so about? So having a better defense means that you're gonna the the guy that you're saying Trevor Lawrence is gonna be playing from behind more. Garbage points count. That, too. That, this is fantasy. But you know, guess what though? At the same time, playing they from gonna behind be running the ball on. with you. Your boy in San Francisco gonna be running no, no, the ball because no. y'all defense see, is, you is look so at, good look, that you're gonna keep the other team from scoring. Bro, you're looking at it through the wrong lens. Having right. a better you are, I'm about to tell you how. Better having a better defense give you a, a more not only give you more opportunity to score, but give you a lesser field to score on. So sometimes your defense will get the ball turnover right there by the other team's red zone. So it's a shorter field to score. So sometimes having a better defense give you a shorter field to go. Number one. But not so just more, playing, but not, but not more often than having a bad defense makes you have to throw the ball from the it, first throw all the way through the fourth. It, that, that's not always a good thing, sir, because you're one dimensional. And if you're playing from, no, it's not. Not all the time. It's only if you're okay. successful. Playing from behind is not always a. So you got to look at it's, it's two ways. This thing just because you're playing from behind means you're gonna get more numbers. Not necessarily. You can fuck up more because now you're one dimensional. If you're playing, if you're down twenty one, you're down seventeen. We know you're passing the ball. So you become one-dimensional. Everybody know you're passing the ball in the stadium. So it don't necessarily mean, oh, because he's playing from behind, now he's going to throw 500 yards a game and shit because he's playing from behind. No, not necessarily. Uh, nah, but what he's okay. going to do is throw the ball to ETN, and he's going to pick up yards and first downs. Well, it, it, it's a you, lot of and you, ways to but, pass And, and you're talking about somebody who never fucking played a snap. Y'all sitting here talking about me by a short sample size, and this dude ain't never played but, a snap. So, 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 what, so what you're saying is I should not consider what any rookies are going to do or anyone that hasn't played football. No, what I'm saying this is. this isn't fantasy. I no, mean, what if I'm, we're talking about real NFL, that's a different conversation. I have fantasy. to prognosticate what will happen based on players who haven't played before. Because but if I don't, that means don't I'm leaving out a speak on a small sample size when you're speaking on a guy with no sample is what I'm saying. Y'all guys are talking out of both sides of your ass, not mouth, ass, because it don't make sense. You say one thing, and then you say this. You say this, and then you well, say my, that. So, it don't make sense. But what's but, but bothering me is that we're, we're going to believe a guy with a three-game sample size against Houston, Jacksonville, and Seattle is going to jump to the top ten. But we can't believe that uh, Trevor Lawrence won't finish 16, 18, whatever the numbers you're saying. Trey, Trey Lance is more talented than this dude, sir. 
You didn't oh, say he wouldn't. Is that I'm telling you why. He's more talented. He's on a better team. He got a what better defense. What are we defense. arguing? We agree that Lance is better. Okay, what then. So talking about? Talk to your man. <laughs> talk to your man. My he point, didn't no, say that Trevor was better than him, though. Right. No, he said that Trevor was going to end up around 17, 18. No, he said we're going to believe this one thing. But not this, yeah. Because, I'm because, telling you why. Because no, no. Because this one, this is my point is that we're telling you because, like, it's like they point where to prognosticate where we think he's going to end up. He's not so going to end up there. Okay, but you're telling That's me well, to your point. No, you're telling I don't me guys only pay three games, three games against Houston, Jacksonville, and Seattle is going to move into the top ten. That's I'm just trying to see how far fetched that sounds for you to say one over the other. Since we're going to that point, dude, like, you it's okay to say somebody's going to be top ten that played three games, nineteen games of college, sat out a whole year, only played three this past season is going to go against the Rams, Kansas City, the Chargers. They're going to go against um who else they got here? Denver. He's going to go up there and, and just be top ten with a, a larger pal, a better strength of schedule. You ain't playing Houston, Jacksonville, and Seattle. Well, of course you're going to play Seattle. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hey, question, 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 real quick, real quick, real quick. What, what? How many points did he put up against Houston? He put up 23. Okay. Now, w- would it amaze you to know that Trevor Lawrence put up 28 fantasy points against Houston at Houston? What the fuck? That guy do anything. What do you mean? You that by Zay. That by Zay. <laughs> Wait a minute. Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Wait a minute. See, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. Guess what? Guess what? You see? Why, hold on. Can I say something real quick? Can I get sure, go for it? Get, moment of silence. This is why I love me. I'm the God. I love this oh, shit, right? See, you say you are an illusion. You a magician. I give you that. You like Copperfield. You a magician. Here comes oh, the rabbit. Hold I on. just can gave I, you the same get, sample. Get, no, no. Can I get some? Can I get some silence? Go for some salt. You a magician? Here, look at this. Hey, you see the little salt trick? I pour it in my hand. Woo! It disappeared. You speak on the first game of the season, but they also play Houston again in Week 15, and the dude had 12. See, that's how you trick the people, right? So, people, listeners out here, don't be a, don't be a, don't be confused by these magicians. They put things in your face, and here's the rabbit, here's the carrot, and shake it in your face. He speak on Week One when the guy had 28 points. Against a Houston team, but week 15, they played the same Houston team and he had 12. And let me tell and you oh, what the guy oh, that does oh, the three oh, car oh, Monty oh, trick oh. is going to do. See, see, the guy what? with the three car Monty is going <laughs> to yeah. tell you to yeah. look at the entire yeah. season for a guy. <laughs> And, but only it. look at three games for a guy that didn't have any oh. other games. So, so what he's going to do is say, well, we're going to say that the guy <laughs> that didn't put up the same points against the same team mm. is now not in the same class, right? Uh, so we're going to look funny. at a full season for one dude, <laughs> but the other dude only got three games to look at. Uh, this is so, so funny. what he's saying now is that Trey Lance wouldn't have had any down games. That would have just been but his Zay, But Zay. Come on, man. But Zay. But all I'm is, saying is they're not as far apart from no, each other. Shit, shit, me. But this is my thing, though. He he played. You 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 said it in out in a different it. offense, bro. You threw it out there, right? He played Houston. As did you? The <laughs> sample size that we have was Houston. But who? who what, what were the three teams again, Joe? <laughs> it was Seattle, Houston, Houston, Arizona, Seattle. Houston, Seattle. But, but this is my thing, Zay. You good, right? You you threw the Houston thing out there, like yeah, I got him. But the funny thing about it, right? Trey played Houston in week 17, and he played Houston in week 15, which was a whole lot closer. He's only two weeks apart. One well, had... point of throwing it out there is the level of competition. <laughs> the team had oh fallen apart at that point. Oh, what are we talking about? Do you not remember what happened Houston. to the Jags oh last year? Okay, man. <laughs> 
That the team have fallen apart at that point in time, bro. Houston, Arizona, and Seattle crown this guy. Oh, and, boy. But well, it, like, good try, though. I got you, but nice try. How does that you. make sense? Like, my point was, I got you. Got you. Nice try. And the only, I got you. You did. The only body <laughs> at all is Houston, Arizona, and Seattle. That's crazy. You did. That's a, magi- that's a magician shit right there. I got you so good, man. Eastern you got that three car Monty <laughs> shit going on that don't make sense. We're going to look at 17 uh, games for one dude, but one the like, other dude. Like, like them girls okay. say, you tried it. You okay. You I tried only, it. I only played. Indeed, you did. <laughs> I only played Houston, Arizona, Seattle, and I'm top 10. Oh, God. Nah, I just well, look, hold on. let's run. Let's run say top tight ends real quick. This is this is about ahead. to be a three-hour show. We got to run through these tight ends real quick, and then we can continue the argument offline. All right, real quick for tight ends, I have Dalton Schultz, Albert O, and Irv Smith. With Dalton Schultz, six highest graded tight end on last year, and the release of veteran uh, Blake Jarwin gives him a little bit more participation in the routes. Also, that that Amari Cooper is going that gives you less competition in the red zone and he was third overall in routes ran with 586 routes so he's going to have much more opportunity and then only darren waller travis kelsey and mark andrews has scored more fantasy points at the tight end position since 2020 than this guy so this is a guy that you can get much later than his talent would dictate and the fact that they're going to have to force him the ball a little bit more due to departures and the way that offense runs, I think he can take that next step, and he's going to be amongst the names that I just mentioned. As far as Schultz is concerned, Albert O, he was the third highest uh, target rate per route run in NFL last season with 23%, and now that Noah Fant is going, this that was with Noah Fant being on the team. Now with Noah Fant traded to Seattle, this guy could easily break into the tight end one conversation based on the fact that Noah Fant Again, without a Russell Wilson type throwing him the ball, ended up at tight end 12. You won't have that type of competition, although they do have the rookie that came in that is a pass catcher. Albert O right now is crushing him in camp. And with Irv Smith, we've talked about him before. He was going to be a breakout last year, and then he got hurt. They're going to a pass-heavy offense, a change in philosophy as far as that's concerned. And he's going to be a great red zone target. I think he's going to be as good of a red zone target as Thielen has been in the past. So that's what I have as far as tight end. Yeah, man, tight end. I had the same. Um, I had Irv Smith as well. And for some of the reasons you said, but this is, I mean, he, he now he's not sharing time with Kyle Rudolph like he did those first couple of right. seasons. We've seen his potential in 2020 where he caught the 30 balls for, and had five touchdowns, you know, for 365. Had a 12-yard per, uh, per reception. Uh, that year, which I had him 10th overall. As far as like um, things like next-gen stats, this guy averaged 3.1 yards of separation, and that will put him between guys like George Kittle and Mark Andrews. And that's also guys like DeAndre Hopkins and things like that, that guys that average that much um, yards per separation on those catches. So like you said, they're going to more of a pass-happy offense. With the decline of Adam Thillian, you kind of see him kind of coming down a little bit down the head as he gets yeah. older with the skill set that Irv has. And hurt a lot, too. Yeah. And I think with the skill set, and, and, and to be honest with you, man, he can, he's he's kind of like there on the, the edge of that zero tight end strategy. Because yeah, he, he is. He, really? Yeah, a lot of people still not own Irv Smith as much. So if you do go zero tight end, which means you're not going for the studs like the Pitts and the Kittles and the Kelseys early 
in your draft. Not even the Hawkinsons and those guys. Right. You're waiting you're kinda, late. Right. You're waiting late in your draft. You should grab a guy like Irv Smith. Um, I think he can definitely be a, a, a gem for sure. What you got at tight end, Joe? <clears throat> had to calm down because we definitely got to finish this conversation. <laughs> um, <laughs> my last, uh, my tight end was actually TJ Hawkinson. Okay. I think, I think honestly, this, this, you know, since we, we can, we can make these accusations. <laughs> I was going to put him lower, but I'm going to put him in the top five since we can um, make top a lot five? of these. Yeah. We go, you know, we, okay. we, we branch it out on the show now. We so can, we got we Kelsey. We got Kittle, we got Waller, we got Pitts, we got Andrews. Which one of them you kicking out? Yeah, that's fine. Put him at six because, like I said, we going big okay. on the show okay. now. Okay, we did Trevor to ten. No. We doing TJ to six. But but the, but the difference, the di- but that, but that's but that's uh, that's, that's uh, cool uh, though. TJ that's is a, that's about that's I mean, about right. So he finished sixteen. Right. And he finished sixteen. So. Yeah, but that's about right, though. I think he like, got hurt last year. Yeah, that's, 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 I can see that. So, but at the same time, you think you're doing something, but you're not doing it. Because different between me, I'm willing to stand on mine. I'll put, <laughs> I'll put, I'll put, uh, sh- sh- uh, what's that old square money? Shillings. I'll put that on mine. I'll put euros. I'll put pesos behind my word. That's how good it is. I'm willing so, to bet it. But go give, ahead, continue. To give the analysis behind that. So, um, pretty much, like obviously, we already know he had the season engine uh, thumb surgery. But in addition to that, he was, you know, designated with having a knee sprain. In fact, that was more than just a knee sprain; it lingered the entire season. I actually looked it up. He was either questionable, he was questionable, and either missed or logged in unlimited practice the entire season uh, from that knee injury. So he was pretty much injured through playing injured through thirteen weeks and essentially a decoy. But even still, he still finished uh, sixth in fantasy yards per game, fifth in targets per game, first in route participation at 85%, third in uh, target share at 19%, obviously um, with the team. And then furthermore, he had 3.5, he still managed 3.54 yards in uh, average cushion, and his true catch rate was at 91%. And his contested catch for tight ends was rated Nine, uh, number one with uh, 73%. To me, is St. Brown and then who? Because we still got to wait for Jamison. Shark isn't really an upgrade considering what Khalil Raymond um, and the other slew of wide receivers did. This is still his offense, and I think it's still going to run through him. I think it's an extreme discount because people, because he, because you know, we, you know, some people go by how many games you play, but to my point, his decline showed really at that point of having that knee sprain. And again, you go back and look at it. He has logged questionable and on top of that, either mispractice or log limited practice. So he pretty much was trying to tough it out all year. And we can maximize on that, you know, on that notion. Cause again, a lot of people go about how many games somebody played rather than the designations week to week. Um, his value, like we all acknowledge, he can be in that top 10 easily based on what was asked, going to be asked of him. And he fared pretty well with 83 targets and 61 receptions. I just think the yards are big. And if you already give me 12.1 yards a game, he had four touchdowns. I can only imagine the ceiling he has for himself. He's playing for a big contract. And I think, you know, I read into that a lot because, like I said, self, unselfishly, he played, you know, hurt throughout the season, but now it's time to get his. You know, they picked up that bag, but he's looking at upwards of 60 to 70 million if he can turn it 
around and look what Darren Wilder did when his back was against the wall as well. So for those reasons alone, like I said, just the numbers and everything else and what we can expect this season, I'm willing to, to go to the bank with him and take him for fair value. I think he's currently probably sitting in that ADP of probably, you know, eight to 10, but he, like you said, we can, we can expect the top six finish for him realistically in over a thousand yards. And that pretty much wraps up the show for this week. Starting next week, we are going to go into our tiers series. This is going to be one of the most important series that you're going to hear. Reason being, depending on where you draft, there are just some guys that you are not going to be able to get. It is what it is. But what you need to know is the guys that are in the same tier or that aren't too far off. So that way, as you do your draft, you can look at what the most value is. And uh, so we're going to start out next week with quarterbacks. And then we'll probably go wide receiver, running back, then tight end. Then from there, we'll be getting into our guard system where we'll be able to tell you a little bit more about how to set up your fantasy draft, how to set up your fantasy strategy in general. We're going to go with our man's and them episode. For all you guys that are old enough to remember the late, great DMX, that's my man's and them, the dudes that we are going to stake our claim on that are going to be your fantasy champions. That show's coming. We're also going to have the the most important show, I believe, personally, is the value show, because that's where you're going to get the meat and potatoes of how you can go about getting guys that are currently going way later than they really should. And you can have, you know, your wide receiver two, wide receiver three, RB three, four, five, way higher level than what other people were able to see in the draft. So we are so much looking forward. This is the time of year. Well, we get hyped, we get excited. There's only a few weeks before real live football is going to be here. So let's get right, Fantasy Fiend. We out.